Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, and welcome to Academy Rewind, the fortnightly podcast where we're taking a look at the Oscars from years past. I'm Tim, and with me, as always, is a man whose life is truly wonderful. Palmer, how are you today? Well, I tell you what, I feel so good, I could spit in Potter's eye. Mm. I think I will. I think I will. How's, how are you? How's the whooping cough? <laughs> good? Yeah. Oh, how's the whooping cough? Which movie was that from? It's a Wonderful Life. No, that's uh, that's the Geico commercial with Thomas Edison. Oh yes, no, no, this is one. I think you meant <laughs> one, two. two. <laughs> that was the whooping cough. <laughs> Ahoy, hoy! <laughs> uh, that commercial's great. It is. Geico has great commercials. No, it doesn't have great commercials. These movies because they don't have commercials. No, because we didn't watch them on TV. Fantastic. We are here to talk about 1947 best pictures. They are as following: Henry the Fifth. The Razor's Edge, It's a Wonderful Life, The Yearling, and The Best Years of Our Lives. What do you think won Best Picture? It's a Wonderful Life. It did not. Well, I'm all out of ideas. It is The Best Years of Our Lives won Best Picture. Okay. Which I feel like if you had given it just a little bit of thought outside of It's a Wonderful Life, you probably could have come to that conclusion. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there eventually. Yeah, let's not start there, though. Let's no. start with Henry V, directed by Laurence Olivier, written by William Shakespeare. You know, as you do. Yeah. Or as you like it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Starring Laurence Olivier, Laurence Olivier, Robert Newton, and Leslie Banks. It was nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor, Art Direction, and Music, but it won... An honorary award for Laurence Olivier, who is both actor, producer, and director for this film. Yes. So it didn't win anything that it was nominated for. Right. But Laurence Olivier got a special award for being Laurence Olivier. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. This movie got got nominated for art direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was genius. It was genius. Genius isn't the word I would go with. Genius, the way that he filmed this. Because it starts in the Globe Theater, as if you are watching the play as a member of the audience. So the scenes when Henry V starts, it takes place in England. And so the scenes that are in England happen in, quote-unquote, England, in the Globe Theater. And then as it moves to France, so does the film transition outside of the Globe Theater to quote-unquote, France, to sets to make it look like France. It's genius because it gives you the sense of watching it as a play and then moves into the – it transitions into watching it as a film. See, I don't think it transitions. It, I mean, physically it does. Yeah. But all of the set pieces still look like play sets. I guess they do. I think that's on purpose. Like, I don't think it's supposed to, like, it's still supposed to be, like, it's still a play. Right. But it's supposed to become more expansive than what the Globe Theater stage would allow because it doesn't allow for a lot. It's not a big stage. It doesn't even allow for a roof, apparently. No, because, well, that's because you would watch the plays during the day. They would all be matinees. Right. And that because once it got dark out, 
you can't see what's happening. Right. So you'd watch the show at noon or one or two or whatever, and then you'd you know you'd watch it for seven hours because Shakespeare, and then <laughs> and then you would and then you would go home by the time that it was dark out. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so there is no there is no there is uh, no roof. There's no roof, which this movie shows is a problem. Yeah, because it rains. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's no different than going to Shakespeare in the Common or Shakespeare in the Park. It's the same concept. It is, but I don't know. That's that's a year, like that's only for a specific time each year. Yeah. And I imagine a playhouse is open longer. Yes, I would imagine. I don't know. Um, so the set pieces look I mean, very... That's not a problem land- with the film, though. You just have a problem with the Globe Theater itself. I do. I also have a problem with the fact that we've seen the Globe Theater now twice in movies. Mm-hmm. We saw her once in this movie, once in Shakespeare, Shakespeare in Love. And apparently everyone knows how the Globe Theater looks, because the original Globe Theater burned down. That's correct. So it's not like someone could go there and be like, this is how it kind of would have looked in Shakespeare's time. But yes. apparently we have... We have knowledge of how the Globe Theater looks. Well, it's because when it burned down, they just built another one, like a like like a foot to the left. <laughs> like it's not they're we not need to rebuild the, a little yeah, that way. The Globe Theater that exists it exists now is just like slightly down the road from the original one. Is there still one? Because mm-hmm. I thought yep. I thought the scene from uh, the the Baz Luhrmann Romeo and Juliet that he goes by like the Globe Theater. And it's kind of in ruins. I, f- I thought that was the more current one. Oh no, you can you could they still perform there. You oh, can do they? go. Yep. Okay. Because I was gonna say we have we have an idea of what the Globe Theater looked like, but we can't nail down exactly who Shakespeare was. That is correct. <laughs> yeah. Well, somebody made a plan, like an architectural plan right. for the Globe Theater, and no you one. You don't did make that architectural sh- plans of children of people. Yeah. <laughs> oh, his name should be William Shakespeare. Let me just chart him out. You know this. Uh, <laughs> You know, he's yeah. this big, and he's going to do these things with his life. I've planned his whole life. So, I mean, if you take it in the context of they still want to make the set pieces look very theater-like, I guess it does a good job. But I I think it comes off looking very elementary-ish at times. I understand what you mean by that. Yeah. I, I get it. I don't think this... Henry V doesn't have the production design gravitas that his Hamlet has a few – the next year, the year after? Uh, I believe so. The next year. I think it was next year because we yeah. watched it last season. Right. So it would be the next year. Yeah. So his – I think his Hamlet looks better, but I was very – I was very taken with – I was very taken with the, I guess, transitory property of this film okay i liked the way plus it's not even just watching the like the theater in front like the camera follows us into the back to watch the actors prepare i really liked the establishing shot of of london and then coming over to the globe theater Mm -hmm. and i feel like with with the value that went into that establishing shot Mm -hmm. i feel cheated that they didn't finish off that establishing shot by having you come down through the roof of the theater. I don't think that was technically possible when this movie was made. It, I mean, it's very true. Um, or you would have to do it with a miniature because I mean that was a miniature in London. That's anyway. right. But you'd have to you'd have to do it with a miniature. But to go like up and down yeah. and then forward, I don't know if they could do that. Then. Yeah, they they probably couldn't. But 
you know, it, it's what I would have liked to have seen. Well, I want to see pigs fly, and I happened to see a delightful little picture <laughs> of a little pig inside an airplane that said, ha-ha, to all the haters <laughs> who never thought this would happen. Uh, so if if everyone remembers, one of our one of our complaints with Hamlet was how dry and how very serious it was. Oh, goodness, wasn't it? And Hamlet, I mean, Hamlet is serious, but it's also hilarious. Right. And I felt in this one, he went in the complete opposite direction. Everything was a joke. Because, look, I ate breakfast when I was watching this movie, Mm -hmm. and I didn't need bacon because all the ham was on the screen. (laughs) That's a great line. That's a that's a great line. There's a lot of ham in this oh, movie. They and it seems like there's like there's there's a middle ground somewhere that he just hasn't figured out yet, because there's the very hamminess of some scenes, mm-hmm. and then there's other scenes where you f- get that Hamlet style, like very dry. I'm like, there's a middle ground here. Can we can we find it, please? Because yeah. yeah. I believe you do you do two more. Shakespeare adaptations that I'm going to have to watch. He does Othello. He does Othello. What's the other one? Uh, I don't know. But I know he did four. Okay. So I'm hoping at one point he finds that middle ground. We'll find out, won't we? Yeah. Overall, I enjoyed this movie. Henry V was the first Shakespeare play that I saw live, actually. Really? What what an odd choice, wasn't it? Yeah, Yeah. because you were like five. I was something like, no, I wasn't five. I think I was like nine, maybe eight or nine, something like that. Yeah, it's a, it was a, it's a tough sit for somebody who, yeah, doesn't, when you don't know English or French history, yeah, when you're nine, Henry V is a tough sit. Yeah. But I saw it. I'm sorry. No, I mean, I liked I liked this film, and I enjoyed that experience enough to, to keep I mean, going. This, this film was okay, but it leaves... I don't know. I, I just, think it started stronger than it ended. It did. It definitely did. Uh, and I was kind of thrown off by the whole, like, the, the scene fairly early on with the princess and her handmaiden that's mm-hmm. just all in French. Wait, and she, wait what? Too French for you? <laughs> And she's just like, this is nails, this is fingers, this is elbow. And I'm like, I don't understand what's going on except her learning anatomy, apparently. <laughs> I mean, you seem to have understood enough <laughs> that you were able to, like, you know, pump out anatomy right there. So Yeah, I don't know. All right, so some fun facts. Okay, give it to me. Partly intended as a wartime morale booster for the British during World War II. The other one was As You'd Like It. Ah, uh, certain parts of the play were. Oh, I, we made that joke earlier. Certain like parts of the, the play of were brain. consequently omitted, such as Her- Henry's hanging of a friend as an example of firm justice. Yeah, for a good reason. Yeah, let's mo- let's boost the morale of the troops. <laughs> we can kill our friends to prove a point. The opening model shot of London was huge, fifty by seventy feet in size, and Holy. made of plaster. It took four months to construct. Holy moly! The first Technicolor film ever made of a Shakespeare play. Oh. Nice. The 10-minute battle scene took six weeks to film. Not surprising. It was a good battle scene. 
It was a good battle scene. It was. It was really good. And then the filming of the battle scene was stopped in order for the company to watch whilst overhead a group of British fighters attacked a formation of German bombers on their way to bomb London. When the real battle passed out of sight, the movie battle resumed filming. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And it was filmed in Ireland because Ireland was a... Neutral territory. It was a neutral uh, country in World War during World War Two. Well, sort of. Because the United Kingdom and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. So you're it's, talking so like Southern not Republic of Ireland. It's like right. Southern Ireland. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's so interesting. I thought so. That's interesting. It's our highest rated segment, my fun facts. Yeah. It says nobody. It says you. I s- right. Which is all that matters. That's right. Let's talk about The Razor's Edge, directed by Edmund... Dante. Edmund Dantes. Edmund Gould... I can't even talk now. Edmund Goulding, written by Lamar Trotti, W. Somerset Mahim, uh, who wrote the book, I should say, uh, starring Tyrone Power, Gene Tierney, John Payne, and Anne Baxter, who's in two of these films. Yes, and she was Nefertiti, right? Yes. Yes, okay. Yes. That's correct. Ooh, then maybe she's not in two of these films. Maybe nope. I just I was th- maybe I was thinking of that. I think you were. Then I was just I nope, that was me. I was thinking of that. Never mind. She was in back to back episodes is what she was in. Nominated for Best Picture, Supporting Actor and Art Direction, it won supporting actress for Anne Baxter. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Good honor. Yeah. Good honor. So the razor's edge. I like that we didn't explain the plot of Henry V, like everyone knows what Henry V is about. Look, I saw the movie, and I barely know what the plot is. Okay? Once more into the breach, dear friends. Right, that's the only plot. That's, well, well I don't know. Yeah. There's, there's two things people remember from, from Henry V, is once more into the breach, dear friends, and the St. Crispin's Day speech, in which he, I swear to God, he mispronounced St. Crispin on purpose just to annoy me. <laughs> Yes, to annoy you. Crispy and min, 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 min. No, it's Crispin. Watch Renaissance Man. <laughs> so, like, why do you know that? So, like, why do you have such an opinion about this? Now <laughs> it makes sense. Anyway, The Razor's Edge is... You is for a, shaving. No, it's not about shaving. Uh, Tyrone Power comes back from the war. A lot of that happened in this in, in this uh, these movies. Yeah. Tyrone, I wonder why. Yeah, right. Tyrone Power comes back from the war, and he's like, I don't feel like I have a purpose in life anymore, so I'm going to go wander the world and climb this mountain, and i got to figure out what to do, even though I've got a fiancé, but I've got to be like, see you later, i got to go be Zorro somewhere. Hmm. Um, that makes a little bit more sense now. <laughs> I didn't, for some reason, I didn't remember that he was coming back from the war. Oh, so you thought like, he was I just, thought like, he just decided, like, you know what, I need to go find myself. In Paris, and then with Moses up a mountain. That's right. Yeah, no, it was, he was, he was, in some ways he was going through PTSD. Yeah. And he needed to escape and kind of realign his, his life. And so the, so the whole movie, actually, so it's not really the whole, so part of the movie is him learning to realign himself. And then he, so then he comes back. And then basically takes on this, like, he's like, I can't be, I can't be with you anymore. I can't be with you anymore. Um, 
Gene Tierney, you're a you're a f- fine gal. Well, no, like he they they're they're engaged, and he's like, "Look, I got to I got to go find myself." And she's like, "All right, go. I'll be here for you." And then, like a year a year, I think passes, and then she goes to France where he is, and she's like, "So how's that? How's that finding yourself going?" And he's like, I'm still not there yet, but you can come with me. Mm. And she's like, but then we'd be poor. And That's I'm kind of used to not being poor. Mm-hmm. So um, have fun. And then he goes away for like 10 years, comes back. Is it that long? I believe it's a, a, I believe it's about 10 years. It's supposed to be about 10 oh, years. Oh, okay. Um, and then he comes back and she's like, married, has children. She's like, I want him. What about your husband? I want that guy over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's saucy. So meanwhile, then you have Ann Baxter who yeah. loses her newborn baby and, and husband, husband in yeah. a car accident. In a very, in a very, um, in a very God. charades. How many syllables? Yes. Um, um, British TV show. Downton Abbey. In Good very, job. Oh, in a very in Downton, Downton Abbey, Abbey sort of way. way. Wow. <laughs> Four syllables. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't even think of the words, so I couldn't even think of how many syllables. It's weird. <laughs> and so she, so she's kind of a staggering drunk, and then so Tyrone Power's like, "She's my purpose in life. I'll make her. My I gotta pet, save her. I'll make her my pet project." And right. I was like, "This is not gonna go well." See you later, pet rock. Yes. <laughs> Bye, Chia pet. Looked like Bob Ross. All right. So anyway. I I think the movie starts interesting and then it gets more like it kind of wanes like it it's like it's good in some places and then it's odd in others but ultimately by the end I was like no what are you doing you're a horrible person like I like you you know I was actually invested in all these characters even okay. though I didn't expect to be yeah but I I think it misses the mark in some places this this year of movies Misses the mark. Kind of. These are like all of these movies, and I'm going to say this now, so when I kind of repeat myself, you'll understand. I found the majority of these movies to be very fine. Okay, not great, not bad. Just there's ways that this could have been done a little bit better, and I think this movie is 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 a perfect example. I didn't really need to see him going off to find himself. So you could have just skipped that and given him more of the stuff when he comes back. I don't disagree with that because this, when watching him go off and quote unquote find himself, leads you to believe that's the movie you're going to watch, right? And that's not what that's it is. not the movie. Yeah. So it, it takes too long to kind of. You could have even started with him coming back from finding himself. Yeah, and we could have caught up real fast. We could have. Um, and like the 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 plot of the movie, like when you read the plot of this movie, it reads like she, like she is trying to make an attempt to get him, even though she's married. That is correct. And while you see it here and there, I don't think there's enough of it to really think of like that being the main plot of the movie. So I kind of felt cheated in the movie I thought we were going to get. Gotcha. Um. That being said, you know, she is a horrible person. 
because like Gene Tierney. Yeah, because he you're right. He takes Ann Baxter and is like, Look, you don't need to be a drunk anymore. You got me. We'll get married. We'll have a life. And Gene Tierney's there and like, no, once a drunk, always a drunk. Here, you want a drink? And that kind of spirals her down. Yeah, awful. She's awful. Yeah. I mean, she's great. She, I thought she acted the hell out of this yeah. part. But she's an awful character. Like, truly terrible person. Yeah. And then you have... Uh, then you have a more uh, a more snobby version of Maurice Corallier from Geely. Gigi, not Geely. Oh, Geely was the good movie. Oh, no. Oh. No. Um, Absolutely. Shut up. But her, I think it's her uncle in this movie. Yes. <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't like Tyrone Power. Nope. But he's rich. He's His snobby. eyelashes are too long. Yep. No. Rich, snobby. Um, I really liked his character, even though he's kind of undesirable. I really liked his his death, where like even though he's dying, he's like I like. Um, they go out of their way to procure him an invitation from to a princess to um, a princess's like party. Yes, who intentionally snubbed him, and he's like he's dying, and he's like. Tell them I would rather go to hell than be at this party. <laughs> uh, that bit was good. Yeah. That bit was good. Sets were great in this film, too. Sets were really good. Beautiful. I liked uh, when Tyrone Power crawled through the window to try to get an invite. And the nurse was just like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm crawling through the window. <laughs> Do you want to help? <laughs> uh, anyway, I I enjoyed this film. I think it could have been better, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. Let's move on okay. to It's a Wonderful Life, shall we? Directed by Frank Capra, written by Francis Goldrich, Albert ha- uh, Hackett, and Frank Capra, starring James, quote-unquote Jimmy Stewart, <laughs> Donna Reed, Lionel Barrymore. Do you want to add any other names in there? No, nope, those are good. Those are good, okay. It is nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Director, Best Sound, and Best Editing, it won nothing. This movie won no, no awards. awards. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It's a Wonderful Life. One of the most lauded films of all time. Yeah, but neither did Citizen Kane. Right. Well, some of the most lauded films of all time yeah. didn't win a single award. That's what that's like that to me is the, like the purpose of this show. Right. This right here. It's, so people go out there and find these undiscovered gems like It's a Wonderful Life. Like, that's no. the purpose of the show. No. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, don't know. Well, I think my point is, like, looking at the shows that are cultural phenomenons. Right. Everybody watches It's a Wonderful Life around yeah. Christmas, even though major revelation to me this year, it, there's barely Christmas it in the movie. It takes place on Christmas Eve. It's fine. It's mostly not Christmas. The majority of the movie is not Christmas. That blew my mind because it's been a few years since I've sat to watch it from start mm-hmm. to finish. I just always assume it's always Christmas, but it's not. No, not even a little. Also, Jimmy Stewart's like 39 when he's playing <laughs> an 18-year-old, and it's hilarious yeah, to it me. Is. It's hilarious. They do it great, but they it's do. hilarious. Anyway, it's a wonderful life. It's a story of Jimmy Stewart, you know, got to save his life, you know, the end. I mean... <laughs> It's a. I don't know what to say. It's a Wonderful Life is a marvelous film. Yes, it's great. It's hilarious. 
It has a great it has a great message. It's heartwarming and sad and acted so well. It's got memorable lines. It's beautifully shot. I don't I don't have anything to to really say negative about it. Not really. Well, apart from like Jimmy Stewart being 40 and playing an 18-year-old. Well, for one, Scrooge in this movie doesn't get his comeuppance. He doesn't get his comeuppance. That's you know, which point. is which is odd because this movie is so. Mission this movie Parker. is so sweet and like fairy tale esque mm-hmm. that you would think the villain at the end has to get his his comeuppance, but he doesn't. That's a good point. Um, I think, but we're living in a post World War Two. Things are slightly realistic apart from you know the angel coming down blah 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 and saving his life but the i think we're like it's like you i think an audience can only swallow so much fluff yeah which i also think is one of the reasons that it doesn't win a lot it's like they needed to see something like this but not enough for it to win Hmm. Uh, so a couple of the other like i i love this movie so but i'm gonna i'm since you went the route of like this movie is perfect. The end. I'm gonna have to play the devil's advocate here. Like, don't get me wrong. I do really enjoy this movie, and I will watch this movie anytime. Um, the run on the bank. Mm-hmm. You you you're never given dates of what's going on in the movie. You sure. just have like time frames of the person's life. So the run on the bank. I'm assuming is right around the stock market collapse. I no no right? no because the run on the bank is after the war, right? No, no. Okay, run on the bank is before the war because the war is current time. He was born, but it tells you when he was he was born in nineteen nineteen or nineteen oh nine because that will actually make the difference. Nineteen nineteen is when his brother would have died. Okay. So his brother on the gravestone, the brother's dates were 1912 to 1919. Okay, so he's like 10. He's four years older than his brother. Okay. So, yeah, so about 1909. So he was born about 1909. Crash. Oh, so no, maybe it is the crash then because that would be about 20 years. Um, and so I was trying to, it's hard when it's the same actor who's almost 40, like yeah, trying to judge he's 18 when his how father old dies. he's supposed to be. He's 18 when his dad dies. And then he gets married and that's when you have the run on the bank is the day of his marriage, which is a couple years later. Right. Because I'm just sitting here like they don't give any explanation on why there's a run on the bank. People are just like, I got to go pull all my money out of the bank for a reason. It's probably the it's probably the market crash. Then. Yeah. Okay. Then it's the market crash. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Now. Yeah. Okay. But like that's it's sometimes it's hard because they an audience in 1946 would know it. that. Right. So it's just one of the things that doesn't age yeah. particularly well. You, you have to tell me. You have to give me a timeline. Yeah. And then the other thing is like. You know, it takes Clarence to kind of point out, like, he's really had a wonderful life, but it's more of the effect that he's had on other people. 
Mm, that's a good point. Whereas, like, all his you see life throughout itself, this, yeah, yeah, where like all you see throughout this movie is him putting off what he wants. But isn't that what life truly is? Like, you know, like you I mean, do put off, you do put off a lot of what you want to benefit others. Otherwise, I don't. Otherwise, we'd all be sitting at home watching TV, except there'd be watching, nothing on TV. Watching a watching be, Academy nominated movie, exactly. Except that. Except that everyone else would also be home, not working. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but it's like every time he's going off to do something for himself. I know you just feel bad for the guy. It's like, oh, your father died. Oh, there was a run on the bank, so you can't go on vacation. His honeymoon can't go on his yeah, honeymoon. Yeah, he can't go on his honeymoon. You know, you got to live in this dreary, rundown house for a couple of years while we fix it up. Do they explain how they even purchased that house? Uh, I would assume because that was a surprise. I don't think they. I don't think they owned it when they. They, they actually don't. They've just been squatting. They, I think they like squat that first night. Yeah. It's also a small town where everyone's like, "Oh yeah, no, Joe, you you just pay me next week, Joe. It's fine. <laughs> you know, you, 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 I'll give you the moon, Joe. It's fine, right? <laughs> so the end when everyone kind of takes up the collection for him. Yes, and then and then his friend, you know, they get the wire from his friend Sam, and it's like my office is prepared to advance you for up to twenty five thousand dollars. You know, what do you do with the rest of the money? Like you could return that money at that point because mm-hmm. you don't need it. And did someone like did they technically borrow this money from people? Because someone should have taken their names. All of your questions mean nothing to me because this movie. I know great. this movie's so good. It's like you're tr- like it's one of those things where like you try really hard yeah. to pull it apart, but it just doesn't matter. It's just a good movie. It it really is like it's very cheery. Like th- there was a term um, in the American president, and I believe it's actually a term that used in in movies called Caprask, and this is what. Mm-hmm. This is what kind of started that. It was this in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, where it's like the very, like his movies just seem very, it's very happy go lucky. It's the world you kind of want to live in. Right. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I could. What, live in a Capra world? Yeah. I think you'd go crazy. I think I would. Even though I really love the Capra world. You love to visit. Yeah. I'll I'll visit it for like a day. Um, before we continue to fun facts for It's a Wonderful Life, did you have any fun facts for Razor's I Edge? I did not. There oh, was okay. No. I mean, I looked. There was nothing interesting enough. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay, so give me some Wonderful Life. Okay. So, It's a Wonderful Life is after Henry V. As Uncle Billy drunkenly leaves the Bailey home, and it sounds as if he stumbles into some trash cans on the sidewalk, in fact, a crew member dropped a large tray of props right after Thomas Mitchell went off screen. James Stewart began laughing, and Mitchell quickly improvised, I'm all right, I'm okay. Director Frank Capra decided to take, to t- decided to use this take in the final and gave the stagehand a $10 bonus for improving the sound. That's fantastic. That is. That's awesome. 10 bucks. that's amazing. I know. Two of the writers called the finished film horrid and refused to see it when it was released. The only one of Clifford Odette's ideas to appear in the finished script was George preventing Mr. Gower from mistakenly dispensing poison instead of medication. 
Okay. That's it, huh? Yeah. Henry Travis, who plays Clarence, also stars in The Bells of St. Mary's Mm -hmm. as Horace P. something or other. Which is on the marquee. When George Bailey passes the movie theater towards the end of the movie, that film is being showcased. I did notice that. Merry Christmas, movie house! That's actually on our docket next season, Bells of St. Mary's. Ooh, nice. I've never seen it. And originally the film ended with Ode to Joy, Not All Lang Syne. And for the life of me, I can't think of lyrics to Ode to Joy, so it's probably a good idea that they changed it. Movies, 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 movies. I don't think that was it. We want to see stars. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think that was it either. To be fair, I don't know if anyone would know the lyrics to Old Lang Syne without this movie either, so... The violin sings. I know that's not the right. I know that's not the right tune. Wow, I'm that's just, not even the words. I know. I'm just. I just want to see you, how you're mad hor- you would get for the musician out of the two of us. You are failing big time. I just wanted to see how mad you would get. You didn't get <laughs> mad at all. It was a little disappointing. I'm kind of mad because it's one of the best scenes in film. Oh. Them singing. Oh, uh, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Next movie, <laughs> The Yearling. Directed by Clarence Brown, written by Paul Osborne, based on the Pulitzer Prize winning novel by Marjorie Kinnan Rawlings. Yeah. They just they just hand out those things, do they? Don't they though? I <laughs> I'm kinda curious. Starring Gregory Peck, Jane Wyman of one of our favorite movies. Johnny Belinda. Ah, yes, yes. I was going to say Titanic. I don't remember her being in that. No. <laughs> and Claude Jarman Jr. This movie was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Editing, Best Actress, and Best Actor. It won Art Direction and Cinematography. I'm fine with that. Yeah, great, beautiful film. Yeah. This is a film about a family that lives in a kind of isolated community Somewhere. The Everglades, maybe. It was filmed in, it was filmed in Florida. Florida. Right. But they live on this like tiny little island, and they're farmers. And all the boy wants in the deer? world is for his mother to like him. And because she is a big old meanie. Oh, she for, is. For good reason. But a big old meanie. And he just wants a pet in the worst way, even though they have two dogs. It's fine. But they're not his. They're his father's dogs. Right. And they have, like, they had four. That's a good point. One dies at the beginning, and then there's still three. That's a good point. And so he eventually, over an hour into the film, finds this doe, this, you know, a deer, a, a baby deer. A female deer. Indeed. And so... um. And so he convinces his parents, his dad, Gregory Peck, who is so wonderful and affable and Gregory Peck in all the best ways, and his mother, who is the opposite of what I just said, and and he gets to raise the baby deer, but that it eventually be, that the doe eventually causes problems because it's a deer and they live on a farm. And it kind of just goes in that fashion until it gets a little old yeller on us. And, and thus proving any movie prior to like 1980s where a kid has a pet, 
That kid is going to have to kill that pet. Yeah, or something around those lines. It got a little hairy in the Hendersons for a little while. Did you get that? Get out of here. I don't want you anymore. <laughs> but uh, I, this movie was so boring. It was beautiful. It looked great. And every time Gregory Peck was on screen, I was entranced by Gregory Peck. <laughs> I and um, Jane Wyman did a great job. I hated her immediately. So did her kid. Her kid would not speak to her for two weeks. Really, after watching this movie. Really, yep. that's crazy. She's so good. She's she's yeah, such. She is, she is really good in this. Ah, uh, I was just really bored. See, I didn't find it boring, but I also didn't find that the movie had any substance. Mm, the it was the bear fight was cool. Gregory Peck. And the acting kind of lets the movie limp along to a very thin story. And it's just enough to keep me interested. Like I, like I said, I didn't love it, but it was okay. If I had to watch it again, I wouldn't mind. I probably wouldn't mind because it's pretty. It's a yeah. really pretty film. And Gregory Peck is great. And so she, the, the kid was a little, a little whiny, whiny, but he was like a little like, ah, oh, shucks, okay, I guess that's just how things are. But I want a deer, you know. He, yeah, it was very um, stereotypical child acting right. of this era. I do like how when the deer starts causing problems by eating their crop, the father who had injured himself. Is like, look, we're going to give the deer one more chance. So you're going to have to quickly replant the corn, and then you're going to have to build up the fence so it can't get over. And he's trying to build the fence, and his mother helps him out. Like, that's kind of her, like, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't think you would do this much, but I'm going to help you because I see you're really putting in this effort. But, like, he's building the fence, and he's telling the deer, you got to stay locked in that barn until this fence is done. So you had the ability to lock the barn. Why wouldn't you just lock the barn at night with the deer inside? You don't have any of these problems after this. Wow, that's you just solved the whole movie's I, problem. Yep. I didn't even I totally missed that. That's hilarious. Because he was doing it at night. He's not doing it during the day cuz he's off playing with the kid. Yep. Yeah. Mhm. Mm <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So really, that kid deserved to have to shoot that deer. Because yeah. it's his fault. Yeah, it's a bit his fault. I mean, it really is the kid's <laughs> fault. I mean, I mean, they probably shouldn't have said yes to bring home a deer like you didn't know what was going to happen <laughs> to your food. But still, um, I do like I do like the bit when they go to town. I was and the, the shopkeeper, <laughs> the shopkeeper's daughter, just starts making faces at him. That bit's good. I also like when they go to town at the end, and and Gregory Peck and the son say hello to those people. And the wife doesn't. And she's like, they wouldn't remember me. I've been to town in 10 years. And then they're like, oh, good morning, Mr. So-and-so. And then she, like, smiles a little bit. She's like, oh, good morning, so-and-so. Like, oh, like, yeah, oh I the, am a human being, and I do <laughs> like people. At the guy's wedding. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, this movie... It, this movie has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, by the way. How many people... I don't know. It's retroactive, so so they just assume that everybody liked it. No, they can. They only they only aggregate based on the reviews that are still published that you can find. Oh, well, that's probably why. So you know, they probably just looked in Leonard Maltin's book. 
Maybe, yeah. I don't I, know. This, this feels like an early Disney live action That's film. exactly what it feels like. Yeah. It feels like 50s live action Disney. Like where the red fern grows, right. but not And to us, that's same. TV movies. But this is, what, this is what cinema was back then. <sighs> yeah. Because if you didn't have the TV option. Like I said, it's, it's decent enough, and you're right, the... The visuals are nice, and the the animals are really are really nice. The acting is good, except for the kid. Um, but overall, it is kind of forgettable. Mm-hmm. But some... it actually did have some fun facts. Oh, sweet! MGM's most successful film of 1946. However, because it cost nearly four million dollars, a large sum of money at the time, its profit margin was only four hundred and fifty-one thousand. In the scene about 70 minutes in when Jody is running through the woods with the fawn and is joined by the other deer, the music played is Scherzo's, is Scherzo from Mendelssohn's Midsummer's Night Dream, hmm. meant to represent playful fairies of the forest. Midsummer Night's Dream is where the wedding march comes from. Yes. I'm oh, telling you, I'm not asking you, I'm telling bum, you. Bum, bum, bum. That's Here Comes the Bride. Um, is the... That's it comes from Mendelssohn's Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. Uh, Production began in April of 1941 with Jack Conway, director, and Harold Rosen, a cinematographer. Production was shut down the next month and wasn't resumed again until May 1945 with Clarence Brown directing and Leonard Smith and Arthur Arling as cinematographers. That's crazy. A lot of the... A lot of the exterior shots that didn't involve that didn't involve the actors mm-hmm. were actually shot at that first stage. Oh, interesting. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, moving on to our last film, shall we? Yeah, the best years of our lives, directed by William Wyler, written by Robert E. Sherwood, based on the novel by McKinley Cantor. Starring uh, Myrna Loy, Dana Andrews, Frederick March, Teresa Wright, and Harold Russell. It was nominated, just nominated for Best Sound. But and it, Best Picture. And Best Picture. Uh, well, no, it's nominated for Best Sound. But it won these fellow nominations. It won Best Picture, Best Actor for March, Supporting Actor for Russell, Director, Screenplay, Editing, Music, and an honorary award for hope and courage to veterans for Harold Russell. Yes. So before we get into the movie. You want to talk about Harold Russell yeah. for a second? Yeah. Harold Russell was an actual amputee. He was missing two hands. He, he was missing two hands. hands. He's got two hooks. He, um, Wilder found him in a... In a um, Commercial? No, it was a documentary, but it was like an army documentary about uh, yeah. rehabilitation after mm-hmm. after injuries. He was given the honorary award because the governing body, the the academy, wanted to recognize him and thought he had no chance at winning the mm. the best supporting actor category. So they gave him this honorary award, and he's the only actor to ever get two Oscars for the same role. That's cool. That's very cool. Yeah. He, he also moved to, I think he was born in Maine, possibly Maine. And he moved to Massachusetts. Moved to Cambridge. and then he, Oh, Cambridge? Yeah. And then he, which is in Massachusetts, so you were right. Right, um, but it said like he lived in uh, Wayland. Yeah, so he, li- he moved to Cambridge for a while, and then after his time with the 
film and Oscars and whatever else. Yeah. He lived on the Cape, and he only died a couple of years ago. Oh, all right. Yeah. So he lived a whole yeah. long life. He wasn't he wasn't an actor initially. Nope. Um, and that was why Wilder wanted to cast him, because he liked his genuine rawness. And actually, um, the producers wanted to send him out to get acting lessons, and Wilder like, threw a hissy fit. That's good. Yeah. I mean, he was really good. So let's talk about he the... Was, he was decent. I mean, knowing that he's not a, a an actor. actor, I like it a little bit more, but I felt he was a little kind of stiff and wooden. So let's talk about the... So the film follows three World War II vets that come back to live in this town. They didn't know each other when they before they left for war, and they're right. all at different marks of life. Someone's really young, someone's... someone's in in their say like their thirties and the next one's in their fifties, let's yeah. say, in some forties or fifties, and so there. So the film, it's kind of like, to me, it felt like almost like the end of like the Deer Hunter or, um, what's that? Um, what's that film with John Voight and Jane Fonda that we watched? Coming home. Wasn't Coming it? home. It felt like that but for the best years of our lives. So it's about the three of them dealing with being normal citizens again after the war. And what do you do with that? How do you readjust to your wife, to your, to your family? And then when you're an amputee, how do you, how does your family react to you now that, now that you have a handicap? And so I think this movie, it started, it was a little boring to start, and I thought it got more interesting as it went along. thought it made some really, especially with, especially with Harold Russell, I don't disagree that he was a little wooden, but I, he felt authentic to me because he was yeah. in a way that other actors, period, do not. Yeah. Like, you know, like when he, so he's talking about, like he just like his dad's cleaning his pipe and then like and he's and Harold's watching him do it and then his dad gets self conscious that he's using his hands mm-hmm. to do something while his son doesn't have any so then he tries to hide his hands. He's like, I just need the like I'm still a person, I'm still me. You don't have to feel bad that you have hands yeah. and I don't now. It was it's a really it's a it's a really interesting and the thought provoked something certainly we've seen before decades later from this. Maybe not. This is fresh See, and I new for th- them. I don't think we have. Think we've, well, no, I mean, I, I just said that coming home is like, it, we're like watching a, like another version of that. Right. But what we're accustomed to is coming home, born on the 4th of July, Deer Hunter, these people coming back from Vietnam, which was a war that was very unpopular. And I think because of the way the war was viewed, these movies have a very a very tinge and atmosphere of heaviness to them to make it really seem like this was the worst thing possible. Whereas Homer in this is very fine with what is with what has happened to him he's fine with being able to use those hooks and the only time he's really not is with his fiance mm-hmm. because he feels like 
once she knows what she essentially has to do, like she has to take out, he can he can take off his hooks at the end of the day when he goes to sleep. But that's it. But once he does that, he can't help anymore. He can't do anything, and she needs to do it. So she, so he's got to lean on her, and he's afraid like that'll drive her away. That'll be too much for her. Mm-hmm. And that's the only time he's ever sort of negative. I disagree. I think he he feels he he needs people to understand that he's the same person but i think we've missed the point where he's made his peace with them right. so i understand i understand what you're coming from but because he's a real amputee like he has to have drawn on his own personal experience and just the way he personally dealt with that i don't disagree yeah. that this movie is a little like hollywood in the way especially Especially towards the end, yeah. where just everything's got a kind of nice bow wrapped right. on it. I mean, but I'm fine with that. Like, I'm I'm actually happy seeing a movie in which, even though there's hardships, we're seeing three soldiers readjust, and it's at least it's not a tonally one note movie. No, it's definitely not. Like, there's there's good times, there's some bad. There, you know, there's a range of emotions. But there's just not an overwhelming like rain cloud sitting over this movie that I feel like we get in in the other films we mentioned, and because of that, I felt like this film does a really good job at what it's trying to do. Yes, y- yes, I, I agree. I, I mean, I do agree with all of that. I think you're right in a way that the popular I wouldn't call World War Two popular. But you know what I mean? Like the reason people believe that we were fighting is different than Vietnam, different than the war on terror. Like, except for that one guy. Yeah, except for that one guy who was like, like, oh, we went over there. There are are people like that in every age range, isn't it? I know. Isn't that crazy? I because like to me, like this this guy is like, oh, no, we I mean, Germany didn't have a problem with us. We were just going over there to get the Nazis. We were going over there to get the commies. The Nazis didn't care about us and wouldn't have done anything like what are you insane? Yeah. Like it was there's a there's always one. There's always one. There's always one. But you're right. This movie, I don't. I don't feel like I honestly didn't feel like this movie started off as slowly as you kind of made it out when we were talking uh, through text. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the like the very beginning. All right. When they're kind of getting acquainted with each other and they're flying over once they get to America. But that's only like 10, 15 minutes tops when they get to America, you know, when they get back home. I feel like it, it hits the ground running and it does. It does a really good job at juggling the three stories that all kind of ebb and flow in and out of each other. If I, if it were me and I had to have something different about this movie, maybe only two storylines. Um, I, I don't actually, I don't agree with that. Cause I feel like I, I just feel like I wanted more. I wanted more of, Homer and I wanted more of the love story. I didn't real see. That's where I disagree. I think Frederick March, the the eldest guy. Yeah. I think his. I think Homer's was the most interesting, but I think Frederick March's 
knocked it out of the park. That was their relationship was so he and his wife was so interesting to me. It was good. That, it, that was so real. Like the way she yeah. had to adapt, the way that he did. It was really wonderful. I, it was good, and I really liked his his performance in this movie. But out of the three, like that was the one that I felt was the easiest to put a pin in. Like that that's the one that it's like they're a little they're a little finicky around each other, but I don't feel like it goes on for that long. And I feel like they wrap up nicely very I think they very do early. I I mean I think they all wrap up nicely. It was actually the love story for me that didn't didn't apart from his like his his dreams like he, he his night terrors and right. the that none of that really felt if like anything right. to me because you hate love we've documented this yes uh, yes i the one who's getting married in yeah. a few months hates love yes that is correct right well it's a shotgun wedding yeah that's... not in the sense that she's pregnant just in the sense that she pulled a shotgun on you yeah well i think she likes to hunt what can i say <laughs> Um. Yeah, I, I mean, agree to disagree. I guess. I I don't love the way it wrapped, but I think, I think it's an important film for the time, and I I definitely understand why it won. I like how the the happy ending in this, like you're like I don't like how it like I don't like how it wrapped up. It was too it was too happy. Yet it's a wonderful life where they. Got the entire town to donate like eight so, grand. You're but, like okay with, but that movie starts with God <laughs> talking to two angels. Like I know it's not going to be. Is Joseph technically an angel? Yeah, he's getting his. I felt like he's like his secretary. Well, I don't know what it is. So, or he's in charge of the angels. It ain't. It does either way. <laughs> it's not a. It's it's not trying to make the same kind of statement that this one is like I don't know this one that movie also had somebody returning from the war yeah but this one this one has this one has a man who has hooks for hands oh re, and we're talking about and we're his, not talking about Peter Pan right and it's we're talking about his like his real struggles like right. the 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 human person like not an actor of the character like. Uh, like what he went through and how he copes like yeah. that's a very real thing and so for that to be like oh my wife was cheating on me the whole time so i guess i can just love this person i just met that to me was a little too hollywood it wasn't even that like the wife cheated on him while he was gone that felt real the like it was the like, oh, you're the daughter of this person I know, eh? Well, I think I love you now, and she loves right, me. Right, but he wasn't going to do anything about it. I know, but it doesn't matter. It all still wrapped up nicely. It did. Yeah, that was the was, bit that it was just a happy didn't. Ending. It just didn't feel right from the way that it started to the way that it ended. Even some like, although I, I did like some of like the symbolism. So he's a fight. He's a uh, he's a bomber, right? He's a yeah. pilot. And so he goes to the scrapyard with all the planes and he has like another kind of PTSD moment. And then he learns that, you know, they're taking those planes and building houses out of them and he gets a job doing that. So he can literally dismantle his pain and build something good out of it. Yeah. That's very like that's very nice. Yeah. That's very nice. This was this is definitely a good movie. And I was happy of seeing a a soldier returning home. That still had seriousness, but didn't feel very weighted down. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Let's do. Uh, let's do some awards. Okay. 
Oh, wait. I might actually have fun facts. Oh, okay. Uh, fun facts are for fun. Yep. I already said the thing about Homer. Uh, in the scene at Butch's bar, Homer asks Butch if you would play a song for him. How about Lazy River, Homer asks. Remember that? Hoagie Carmichael, who plays Butch, composed Lazy River. Oh. That's fun. In 1946, this film became the most successful film at the box office since Gone with the Wind in 1939. Yeah, that doesn't shock me. Yeah. Um, Also, I believe almost everyone associated with the movie, like you and like the production design people and that, were all, had all been part of the armed forces. Wow. Well, also, in a way, doesn't shock me, but cool. Yeah. Good facts. All right. Best Supporting Actor. Lionel Barrymore. Mr. Potter? Yeah. He was very good. I love Mr. Potter. He's excellent. I'm going to give it to Harold Russell. Yeah, I know you are. Yeah, he was excellent. He was truly excellent. Best Actor. Best Actor? Eh, Come back to me. There's no one to go. There's no one to go to. There's you, <laughs> Frederick March, the already winner of the of the Best Actor award. Who was he again? He was the husband in Best Days of Our Lives, Best Years of Our Lives. He was the drunk. Uh yes, yeah. Jimmy Stewart. Yes, yeah, he. I, Jimmy Stewart was is right there because he's so good, but he's also just a little bit Jimmy Stewart. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he sometimes it's almost like the Tom Hanks kind of thing. Like, yeah, you, sometimes you're just who you are. Yeah. And so even though I think he is incredibly delightful okay, and, yeah. and, and Gregory Peck is also incredibly good. <sighs> he's good, but he's not great. But he's not best actor. Great. Right. Like if Gregory Peck had had like repeated the sermon from Moby, Moby Dick because he played the. Yeah. He played the, the chaplain, the chaplain in the second. The second, no, the first version. First version, yeah. Um, no, he. I would no, go in with... the second in the second version because he was Ahab in the fifties, and then in the Patrick Stewart version, he was right. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll go with Frederick March. Frederick March. Yeah. Right on. Right on. I I am glad that you see it that way. Best supporting actress. Anne Baxter. Anne Baxter. She was wonderful. Yeah. Really, really wonderful. Best actress. Donna Reed. You know, she was so good. She was. She's really subtle is what she is. Like, you know what I mean? Like in her performance. Yeah. Like the looks she gives, she she never overplays it. She lets Jimmy Stewart overplay everything <laughs> and she balances Although him so well. She has my favorite line in that movie. He's making violent love to me, mother. I want to know what that is. Uh because, I don't think you do. Huh? I don't think you do. No, I'm because the way she says it, like it's it's a consensual thing. But I so I want to know what this is. Like I especially in the forties, I want to know what the term violent love is in the forties. I don't want to know what it is now. Yeah. I want to know what it was back then. That's a good question. It's a great question. Yeah. Somebody get me Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. I'll get her like, Oh, it's me, Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm gonna give it to Jane Wyman. Oh, uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, she, because I loved her and Johnny Belinda, 
and yeah. I hated her in this movie <laughs> so much, and I still somehow sympathized with her just a little bit, and it took That's a lot you also of hate children. What? That's because you also hate children. I don't hate children. Oh my god! Why are you spreading lies about me on the internet? It's on the internet. It must be true. No, that's also not true. <laughs> Cinematography. I would go with It's a Wonderful Life. I'm going to go with The it's, Yearling. Yeah, I, I know. It was a really, I mean, it's. It was, I see the argument, but I just really like how everything looked in it. It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Music. Best years of our lives. Yeah, actually, the, some of the piano stuff was yeah. was great. I'm a sucker for piano. Writing. It's a Wonderful Life. I will also give it to It's a Wonderful Life. Production design. Not Henry V. I'm going to give it to Henry V. I know you are. Yeah. Um, it was just I, genius. Yeah. Genius. I'd give it to Best Years of Our Lives. I really like the look of the bar. Mm. And the Actually, I might give cinematography to Henry V, actually. Just because it's genius. Because it looks like the land of make-believe. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, production design. Oh, because you like the little bar best years of our lives. Yeah. So and then so then best picture. It's a wonderful life. Interesting. I didn't think that you were going to do that. Nothing in this episode led me to believe that you would have chosen. It's a wonderful life. I told you at the beginning. I was being sarc- I was... I'm being sarcastic. Oh, I was going to say because <laughs> like the, I I really love this movie. Like this movie is up my alley in so many ways. Yeah, it is actually. It's just like like a fa- flight of fancy, yeah. But has a message. That's yeah. That's the, that's me in a nutshell, isn't it? A flight of fancy. <laughs> I isn't, am. Isn't it just? I'm also going to give it to. It's a wonderful life. I'm surprised. Why? Because at its core, it's a love story. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I love running jokes. I know. <laughs> It's not even just a running joke on a podcast. It's a running joke in our friendship. In our friendship, yep. Uh, I oh, think no, I think it's again. If you're talking movies that have had an impact for for generations to come, yeah, it's a wonderful life. Is that film? And it didn't start off that way. It, it was a financial. It was deemed a financial failure at the time. Oh, all the best movies are. All the best movies are. What ended up happening was, for some odd reason, there was a clerical error, and somebody at the studio forgot to re-up the copyright in the 70s, and because of that, whoever had whoever could get their hands on a print of the movie could show it, and that's why it started popping up on, like, every... on every um, network around Christmas time. And that's how it became kind of a Christmas tradition. It's since been it's since been just NBC like NBC has gotten it back, mm-hmm. and now they're the only ones who show it. Um, but that's kind of what happened. That's and awesome. Th- yeah. So that's kind of how things progressed for that. So this movie, movie very odd, like could be an obscure film that we had never actually heard of, in a sense. I mean, it could be. I'd I'd feel really bad. Like I. I just I really like this movie, and I even like the Muppets version of it. Like this, mm. it's just such. It is such a fantastical story premise, and it's just done brilliantly. I don't and, disagree with yeah. you. 
It's just I so don't good. disagree with you. Well, Love it. that is excellent. Uh, you can find us on Academy Rewind on Twitter and Gmail. You can also check all of the Thought Bubble Audio shows out at thoughtbubbleaudio.com. You can find Palmer on Twitter at Academy Rewind. You can find me on Twitter at TimothyPG13. Coming up next, 1937 Best Picture nominations. They are as follows. Anthony Adverse, Libeled Lady, The Great Ziegfeld, A Tale of Two Cities, Romeo and Juliet, Dodsworth, Three Smart Girls, The Story of Louis Pasteur, San Francisco, and Mr. Deeds Goes to Town. Yay, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, again, <laughs> hey, you think you know how it ends this time? Who uh, knows? Well, The I Shadow. Think, the Shadow knows. That's great, indeed. <laughs> Actually, that'd be the, we're in the era. Yeah, we're in the era of that. So, anyway... Thank you for joining us. Thank you all. Palmer, you have anything to add because they're playing us off. No, I have someone here to thank. Well, too bad. Bye. Bye.